Hello and welcome to Sabbath School at the Spencerville Seventh-day Adventist Church, and we are so glad that you are joining us once again. If this is your first time, please make sure that you go back and watch the previous uh, 12 videos. I say 12, even though today we are on Lesson 12, we did an introductory video, and then we've done 11 lessons thus far. And, and for me, I've just grown so much uh, going through this quarterly, and I have to confess, Frank, this is the most in-depth that I've studied a quarterly in a long time, <laughs> in, in a, good, a good while, <laughs> quite a while. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of it. I've said this to you before, and I'm going to say it again. Uh, you know, while I appreciate all the writers, I do appreciate that I feel like this is written at a level that is still accessible for mm -hmm, the general mm -hmm, folk, but mm -hmm. there's a depth to it. That, that I've sometimes missed in the quarterlies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I appreciate that. Thank so you. thank you for, for providing that. You know, I don't want to do the, as my wife says, it's a bunch of rhetorical questions. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, I want to mm -hmm, like actually mm -hmm, have some mm -hmm. meat where I have to like process what is this asking me? What is this challenging mm -hmm, me? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so thank you, for, thank you for that. My pleasure. And I'm sure our readers and uh, the viewers have been blessed as well as they've gained the insight from you. Mm -hmm. And... We are doing this because we have the blessing of Frank being a member of the Spencerville Church. And, of course, I'm a member of Spencerville Church as well. Right. And Double blessing. And uh, <laughs> so we have that blessing. And we have the blessing uh, of in the midst of bad, because we have to be home right now, mm -hmm. uh, it is a blessing that we still are able to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, had a bad situation, God makes good things come, mm -hmm. and we're, we're mm -hmm. grateful. So, and these, these things are going to be reserved for uh, posterity, you know, that's the, that's the thing with technology. Uh, we are going to begin with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into Lesson 12, which is dealing with difficult passages of Scripture. Mm -hmm. So, Frank, as it is our custom, please pray for us. Sure. Dear Jesus, we want to talk about something that is uh, indeed difficult. There are some passages in the Bible that are difficult to understand, and uh, we want to learn how to approach them and how to deal with them, and so we need your help, and we need your Holy Spirit, and we ask for your special blessing as we talk about this and reflect about this and explore things that can help us to deal with these uh, challenging passages that we encounter. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Frank, let's start this by looking at the text in 2 Peter, mm -hmm. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, and this should serve as encouragement to anyone out there that ever has come across a passage that they found difficult, and it should serve as not only encouragement to, to recognize you're not alone, but also I would say that it serves as encouragement not to give up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's really what we want to talk about yes. in, in this lesson a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And, and we see that even the, even, the best and the brightest of us <laughs> are, right. are even a struggle. Peter. So, yes. Uh, yeah. So read that passage so for us. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. It, uh, I read from the New King James Version here, the translation. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. 
as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Okay, so let's break down that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So one, Peter is acknowledging what many others in history have acknowledged. Some of what Paul writes can be a challenge. Yes. Well, let me, let me start by a little detail that okay. often is overlooked in that text. It, you yeah. know, he, he acknowledges that the epistles of Paul uh, are scripture. Are scripture as the rest of scripture. And that is interesting because you have a, a reference in the New Testament already that already the New Testament epistles of Paul, some of them are being, least, viewed, as... Uh, being viewed as being on the same level as scripture i.e. the Old Testament. Yeah. So that is interesting. And he acknowledges that some things in Paul are indeed difficult to understand. Yeah. So if Peter acknowledges that, it's uh, a comforting thought to yeah. me. I mean, he was, uh, he was uh, a contemporary of Paul. He was closely associated with him. He, was, he walked with Jesus. And even he acknowledges that some things are a challenge. And uh, if he has that experience, why shouldn't I have the experience as well? Yeah. He also addresses one of the major problems that, that confronts us when, when we deal with challenging scriptures. That they often can become twisted. Yes. So let's, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Um, and, and I want to unpack it from, from two kind of different angles. One is, we, let's start with the personal. We are in danger ourselves of twisting these, tell in which ways that we do that, or talk about in what ways we can do that. Or we attempted to, to twist Scripture in all kinds of ways. Not uh, just the difficult, but not, not but, just the difficult. but in particular, it's easier to do it with the difficult. Sometimes. Yeah, there, there are challenges. You know, if, if you're confronted with a, a difficult passage, and uh, especially when you talk with another person, and you don't have a good explanation for that Bible passage, then um, you're faced with a, with a decision that you have to make. Either you acknowledge mm -hmm. that you don't know, mm -hmm. or you pretend as if you would know, and you give a uh, flimsy, su superficial answer that really doesn't satisfy yeah. or is not really explaining the thing as well. It reminds me of an experience that I had when, uh, when I was a young pastor. That was one of the most um, challenging things in, in my pastoral ministry that scared me as a young pastor coming fresh from, from uh, the seminary, you know. What if people ask me a question and I don't have an answer? You know, I'm mm -hmm. studying theology mm -hmm. for, mm -hmm. for four years and now they come with a question and I don't have an answer. Yeah. So I was a young pastor and um, one of my elders came to me and said, I have some neighbors here and they are, they are uh, ardent students of scripture and they have some questions. Would you come? And I said, sure, I'd be happy to do. So I came and they asked, uh, we, we had a Bible study and they asked me some difficult questions on some things that I've never heard before. Yeah. So I, I paused for a moment, you know, I looked at them and I said, that is a really good question, <laughs> to be honest. I've never dealt with that question before. I don't have an answer to that. But I want to look into that. And uh, if I find out something, I will let you know. The next time, 
I went back home and I did my homework. I consulted whatever I could, and I came up with an answer that was satisfactory to my uh, to my thinking. Yeah. And I shared that answer with them the next time. After a couple of further meetings, that couple told me we have had uh, Bible studies with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. And uh, we've experienced something with you that was completely different. So I said, what was it? Well, they have an answer to every single question. And when we asked you the same difficult answer, uh, question, you know, you acknowledged that you didn't have an answer. That we found rather intriguing. And then you studied the thing and came up with a solution. And I think uh, it's, it's feasible and uh, it, it works. And it opened the door to that couple that they um, started to trust and yeah. started to study the Bible for themselves and eventually they were baptized uh, in, in, in the Adventist church. So that taught me an important lesson that sometimes it's more important than having the answer is how you deal... To acknowledge you don't. How you deal with a situation yeah. where you don't have the answer. Yeah, yeah. So we can get in trouble because we can twist it and then it can create problems for other people because it creates doubt in their mind. And if they really end up studying and they realize that yes. doesn't hold water, you know, that, that answer doesn't hold water, yeah. that can be an issue. But it can also be an issue from this standpoint, uh, Frank, is that some people are good with words and they can take a difficult passage and we can be intrigued by their answer that is not, and, and I'll use a specific example David Koresh, um, it wasn't always David Koresh, but there's people that I know that were in Hawaii when David Koresh was there and attended his Bible studies. Hmm. And they said he had a way of twisting things to such a point that your mind would be intrigued, but you'd also be kind of lost. But you'd think, well, he, he surely knows what he's talking about because he would just be able to take these difficult things and make them sound profound but at the end, you weren't really sure what he actually said. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and of course, we know the history of what happened with Waco and David Koresh. And if you're eloquent and uh, yeah. good in your rhetoric, uh, it, it's even more powerful. So, so, so there's this danger of like, one, guarding against those who can twist Scripture to us because uh, when there are difficult passages, but also ourselves twisting it mm -hmm, around mm -hmm, and causing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some of those issues. Um, you know, there's also this, this problem with... Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna assign this more to maybe the less conservative bent, the more liberal bent of the church. That that when there is a difficult passage and it seems to be seems to be a contradiction, mm -hmm. that then they automatically apply. Well, the, the Bible contradicts itself, and and they want to throw, talk. Well, talk. that's 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 the easy way out, and I think it doesn't require much thinking to come to a conclusion like that, and I don't think it's the most helpful way to deal with a... It's in vogue right now to do that, though. It's very in vogue, <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's right, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me just point out a little further detail that we have overlooked in, in, in that yeah, passage yeah, that yeah, we yeah. read, because it can help us uh, answering that question that you just okay. raised. He says, there are some things hard to understand. He doesn't say there are many things hard to understand. Yeah. And he doesn't say there are all things hard to understand. Yeah, yeah. And that, that there are some things difficult to understand 
is important because it indicates that there are many things that are clear. Yeah, yeah. And that can help us dealing with some difficult passages and, and questions in the Bible as well. You know, not everything is um, easy to understand, but there are some things that are clear and and uh, and that are clearly ca can be understood. And and so we have to move from the clear to the less clear. Yeah. And um, so and that that takes study. That's that's what Paul was saying to Timothy, right? Uh, you know. Make sure that you're accurately handling the word. You know, be diligent in your studies. Uh, and it, it takes determination. And, and that brings me back to your, your thing. You know, it's easy to say, oh, there is a contradiction. So uh, maybe there is a mistake in the Bible. And that's it. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you really believe that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate author behind it, you don't believe that the, the Holy Spirit contradicts himself. Yeah. So there must be a unity, a basic unity within Scripture rather than a disunity and uh, conflicting uh, positions. And that will help you to approach and search for answers that are biblically sound. And it reminds me of, of a famous example that we, we have uh, for one of the most pressing uh, Bible difficulties for centuries. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you go to the Old Testament and you compare the, the Hebrew kings and the accession years of the Hebrew kings yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in Kings and Chronicles, you come up with different dates yeah. and yeah, different times, you know, and yeah. it's an obvious discrepancy and a mistake uh, in Scripture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Edwin Thiele, an Adventist scholar at the University of Chicago, he, he was grappling with that and he did not give up, you know, and some of these more difficult questions and problems, you don't find a solution in five minutes yeah. or even in five hours or five days. And he studied that for years, for months and months and years. And finally, comparing uh, all evidence that was available to him, he came up with a conclusion that really was substantiated by the evidence mm -hmm and published that in the book, The Mysterious Numbers of the Hebrew Kings, mm. uh, in, a, in a famous non-Adventist uh, publishing house. Wow. And it has become the standard explanation for that Bible problem yeah. that has plagued Bible students for centuries. Yeah. And, uh, and it, if he had quit? If he would have quit, you know, he could have said, well, I've been uh, doing this all right for a month. It's, it's I'm just, done. It's uh, just human authors, and they make mistakes, yeah, yeah. so that's to be expected. He would never have come up with a solution like that. Yeah. Something you said there just a second ago, though, is interesting that you said, start with the clear and move to the unclear. I, I don't know about you, but as a pastor, sometimes when people say, where should I start to read? You know, I, I, I send them to the book of John. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't send them to Romans, even though Romans is one of the most beautiful treaties on the gospel. I don't send them to Romans, I send them to John. Uh, and, and it's funny the way that so some people like have this expectation, well, if I just open the Bible, I should be able to understand it. And if I can't understand it, I get discouraged, I quit, or I say this doesn't make sense, or this is a boring book, or whatever it may be. And yet, no parent would say to their kid, I want you to start your kindergartner. You need to know algebra. You start with the clear and move exactly, to... Exactly, exactly. Right? And I'm yet we have you, a different expectation. Uh, and you brought up the, the mathematics example, and it's a wonderful example. You know, if you, if you start uh, with a child with uh, the technical things of algebra and, 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 and higher mathematics, you know, yeah. 
the child will get confused, will, will get discouraged. Yeah. If, if you, have to, you have to show the basics one and one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if the child... And it starts even more basic than that. This is the number one. <laughs> Not even one plus one, it's just one. one. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you have a, a adding things and yeah, you yeah. have multiplication, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, and the same with the Bible, you know. You, yeah, you yeah. don't uh, do the higher things first. You know, first you have to, to understand the basics. Yeah, yeah. And once you understand the beauty of the basics... The other things will will make sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it will open up a, a whole new universe and your horizon that you you didn't even see the first time. And you're building a language too. Yes, a language of the Bible mm -hmm. that goes along. Uh, um, you know, I guess maybe our principle that we would say to to our listeners is: if you come across a difficult passage, or if you know someone that comes across a difficult passage and they become discouraged, the thing to do is not try to figure out that difficult passage. The thing to do is to go to something more clear and start to build that language, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Rather than, than I mean, Thielen, he was a theologian. I mean, he knew how to wrestle with some of these things. You and I have been given certain tools to, to, to wrestle with some things, right? But, but in some ways, the everyday average, I don't want to say average, that's the wrong word. The everyday reader of the Bible that hasn't been given these tools or hasn't spent their life in this foundation don't spend all your time on that difficult passage. Go to something you can exactly and build a language, and be patient with yourself. Yeah. You know, don't 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 have the expectation that you you need to have every everything explained. And as you said, sometimes you don't have a good explanation for a passage, and you find it even strange. Yeah, let it rest, move on. Let it rest, and uh, in the light of the rest of Scripture, you might shed some new facet on yeah. the things that you didn't understand in the first place. And it's a growing experience. And yeah. uh, I think we need to, to be aware of that dynamics. Yeah. You, you referenced, so, so there's kind of the liberal problem of uh, maybe trying to twist something or maybe um, giving up on something or saying this is a contradiction, so I'm just going to throw out the Bible. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's move to maybe the, the conservative problem. And you already addressed this a little bit, in, not a little bit, completely in your story when you acknowledged how, like, by you being honest, you won trust with that family. We have an honesty problem sometimes when we are dealing with scriptures within the church. We have too many preachers, both very popular preachers and probably some unpopular preachers, that... that that use a method that we would refer to as the allegorical method. And, and it's really out of a fear of not being able to give an answer, right, in some way. So talk about this and what I mean by that. I think you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, uh, sometimes we're tempted to, um, to know everything, and sometimes we're tempted to pretend that we know everything. And uh, then we give answers that really do not hold up yeah. and they are not watertight. And I think we do Jesus and, uh, and Christianity a disfavor yeah. uh, when we approach the Bible that way. Uh, it is much better, I think, that we honestly acknowledge that uh, that is a difficult passage to yeah. deal with and that we might not have the last word on it, yeah. that we have... Uh, uh, 
a certain interpretation, but uh, it doesn't solve all the questions. Yeah. And uh, we have to learn to live with that. Yeah. Uh, because we are not God, <laughs> we, we are not all omniscient, you know, yeah. we, we don't know everything. And so uh, we have to be humble enough to acknowledge that. Otherwise, we quickly slip into um, a mode of explaining everything in every little detail yeah. in ways that might sound nice on the surface. Yeah. But if you start to investigate it a little bit more careful, you find out that it doesn't harmonize with some other passages of Scripture or even contradicts some other passages of Scripture. And it makes us look silly in the real world. I mean, And it makes us look silly in the real world. And I think we, we lose credibility in, in the long run. Yeah. Uh, even though we have the best intentions, actually it, it's a, a disfavor that... Uh, uh, that we do to Jesus. The last lesson, there was a thing about typology and we were off camera talking about that some and, and we were talking about how like in the sanctuary and things like, like people want to find, that this is, this is like not only do we make, not only do we, we try to come up with allegories for difficult passages, but we also allegorize easy passages and make them somewhat difficult. It's like the rings in the, in the, in the sanctuary represented the purity of Jesus. No, they were just a gold ring holding up a curtain. <laughs> we don't yeah, have to make yeah. it complex, right? We also, yeah, we we also make things complex. What I call uh, um, hermeneutics of association, where we associate certain features and colors and, and details with other things that really have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. And just because there is a similarity in the color between uh, the red rope and the red blood doesn't mean that the red rope is a type of the blood of Jesus yeah, uh, yeah. necessarily or, or whatever it is. So we have to be careful to do that. There, there is another challenge that I think uh, that we sometimes um, face when we talk about the Bible, especially about difficult passages. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have that phrase that is now so common that we've almost got used to that. We call it fake news. Yeah. And that is where we talk about some things that are true, and yet yeah. they are uh, a little bit out of context, a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. Uh, distorted, a little mm -hmm. bit misused, you know, and it becomes a wrong information. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we do the same thing with uh, biblical passages as well. And on Monday, for instance, we have uh, a little something in there that when you're really honest, you deal with difficulties in the Bible honestly, and that means that you are careful not to present information out of context. Mm -hmm. uh, you are careful not to distort the truth with loaded language. Yeah. You know, sometimes the language we use, even though I'm, 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 I'm not necessarily saying something wrong, but the way I use the language gives it a different twist. And therefore... Do you have an example of that? Um, <laughs> not to put you on the spot, but... No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Put me on the spot, but no. Uh, maybe it comes... Um, but that's honest. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I think we have to be careful even how we speak about things. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes we can be overconfident. And... Uh, yeah. And, um, you, you, you mentioned context. And again, off camera, you and I had a conversation because I asked a question about context. And 
And in the Bible, there's some things that seem to be quotes that are out of context. Why don't you unpack that? And, and, and will you specifically go to the Hebrews text to, to show us that? <laughs> well, yeah. Because context is really important. And people, even as I did off camera, for those of you who weren't here with us, which is all of you, uh, I, I, made, I was teasing Frank about something. And, and I said, well, isn't this out of context? And he, he, he uh, appropriately humbled me. But the illustration you gave was good because sometimes people can do that. They can accuse you of being out of context and they, they don't really understand what the Bible means by con what we mean when we speak of context. In well, the all I did, uh, Chad, was uh, indicating that that's a complex uh, topic. topic and we need to be careful. See, when we use the Bible, sometimes we get the impression as if the biblical writers would use um, uh, passages from the Old Testament out of context for their own purpose. Uh, to be very honest, I'm, I'm not convinced that that is really the case. And I think we need to be careful in looking in that. I'm editing a new book on uh, biblical hermeneutics from mm -hmm, an Adventist mm -hmm. perspective. And uh, we have an excellent chapter by Dick Davidson, Richard Davidson from Andrews University, mm -hmm. in there on the inner biblical exegesis and use of scripture. And it's one of the best chapters that I've ever read uh, on, on that particular question. Mm -hmm. I, I'm personally, in my research, are convinced that the biblical writers did not use uh, Old Testament passages out of context. They were very aware of, of things. Sometimes yeah. when they use a uh, single verse, you know, yeah. it's not just referring to the verse, but it's as if you would pull up that verse, and with that verse, you, you come the whole context of the Old Testament in which this particular passage yeah. is situated, comes to the mind. And we have to remember that uh, the New Testament believers were so immersed in the Old Testament and so familiar with it, much more than we are, yeah. even, that they could hardly afford misusing um, the Old Testament passages. Uh, now, you mentioned uh, the book of Hebrews. There is, an, there is another illustration in the book of Hebrews, and then I'll come to the one that yeah. probably you, you have in mind. In the book of Hebrews, the writer to, to the book of Hebrews um, describes the um, the the lamp stamp and the, the altar of incense mm -hmm. and, and so forth in the sanctuary. And he puts the altar of incense into the most holy place. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's a mistake because we know from the Old yeah. Testament that it was placed in the holy place. Yeah. And he places it in the most holy place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so we, we come across a passage like that and we think, oh, he had a slip of mind, you know, maybe he was uh, somewhere else and he wrote that and didn't re really think about it. And we could say it's a, a clear evidence that there is a mistake in the Bible, yeah, yeah. that he places it in the wrong place. Yeah. Slowly, slowly, you know, careful, I, I'd say, you know, don't come to that conclusion too quickly. Why? It's indeed, if you study all the evidence in the Old Testament more carefully, you find that you have in the Old Testament passages that indicate that the, the writers of the Old Testament in the book of Exodus and other places associated the altar of incense with the most holy place. So in their thinking, the altar belonged to the most holy place, even though it was situated in the holy mm. place because 
the smoke went up and beyond the, the curtain, and you know, and uh, and all that. And there is ample evidence. We could explore that in more detail. But when I studied that, it it opened a whole new perspective to me. And and the thing that looked like a clear mistake turned yeah, out to wasn't be wasn't at all being very familiar with the Old Testament evidence, actually much more than I was in the first place. So, so that told me that sometimes we have to be careful with uh, making two quick judgment calls on the biblical writers, that they are wrong and out of context. And sometimes, and that's another example, biblical writers, because they were so familiar and intimately um, associated with the biblical material and the, the terminology and the words, that they use that. Um, as part of their everyday vernacular, not yes, trying to... Yes, not, not necessarily as an exegesis of the Old Testament passage, but to apply something that is expressed in these words, even in a new context. So in Hebrews chapter 13, for instance, mm -hmm. we'll have uh, uh, an interesting uh, passage where, uh, let's see here. 13, you want me to read it? Yeah, read it, please. 13, 5, mm -hmm. keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah. Now, uh, it doesn't mean he's exegeting the I will never leave you nor forsake you no, passage. He's no, just no. accessing the language Yes. of that passage. Yes. So yes. we could look at that passage and be like, oh, well, they're using it out of context yes. and, and use that to undermine the Bible. Exactly. But really, it's just the accessing of the language. And he's not doing anything wrong, no. I think. Yeah, I mean, he is, he is right. It's, it's not that he's exegeting the passage there, but he used the principle that God cares yeah, yeah, yeah. that is present in the Old Testament to show that we should not worry about money or our future and and, and all that. I'm going to use a pop culture uh, illustration mm -hmm. to, to, to make this point because um, we're often critical of, we have to understand these were people writing and they were writing and you, again accessing the language of what they were immersed mm -hmm, in. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're applying the principle uh, to, their, to their situation. So I grew up, have you heard of the TV show Seinfeld? Mm -hmm. So Seinfeld. <laughs> I grew up watching all of Seinfeld. It came on when, I mean, it started when mm -hmm, I was a kid mm -hmm. and, and went into my, even, I think, high school years is when it ended. And I still, to this day, access language from that TV show in the context of conversation. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. sometimes I'll use it, and my wife, who's, I think, watched maybe one Seinfeld episode in her entire life, goes, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm, but if I'm around other people who are familiar with it, I could be accessing like the phrase yada, 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 you know, yada, yada, yada meant something in the context on Seinfeld, but now it has come to and mean. And it brings up uh, something. It yeah. brings up something there, but it also can just mean and so on and so on and so yes. forth. And, 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 and so that's the language I was familiar with, so I'm accessing it. You know, I don't want to be, you know, yeah, devalue yeah, yeah, the Bible yeah, and say yeah, that they're yeah. watching Seinfeld, but, but they're so immersed in the biblical language mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that then they just... Yes. reference that yes you, you you use the illustration off camera of uh how we say i'm not a yeah a prophet or well if you if you were to ask me a difficult question where i don't have an answer i could give you a, an answer by saying i'm not a prophet nor am i a son of a prophet and i would understand what that means yeah that's fine you know but i i'm, I'm not exegeting that particular that passage. passage in yeah. the old testament yeah 
but uh, I'll indicate I use biblical imagery and words to respond to a question that is out there. Let, let's, let's, I, I know we're out of time, but we're going to come back, we're going to, we're going to deal with this last one. Deal with difficulties scripturally and prayerfully. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible is very clear. The Holy Spirit was given to us to lead us into truth. I mean, that's, that's one of the purposes. We access the Holy Spirit by praying for the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, and, and we need to make sure that that is emphasized in, in all this. If you're dealing with difficult passages, don't just keep wrestling with, with, about it without asking for guidance, right? Yeah. See, if you, if, you, um, if you deal with it prayerfully and scripturally, there, there is something else, you know, you, you, you acknowledge by, by a simple prayer, you acknowledge that you need help. So it's an act of humility. It's an act of humility, and, and also it gives an opportunity, it gives God an opportunity to actually um, help me in, in understanding the things that I'm studying. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I think it's a blessing that we don't understand all the things in the Bible immediately. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, if you wrestle with something, and uh, maybe you've experienced that in your own life, no, and, sure. and you're, you're, you're determined to, to work on that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it shows whether that is really something important to you. That's valuable. If, it, if, if it's, we're not valuable or important to you, you mm-hmm. would not even care mm-hmm. uh, to invest time in that. To, it's to like wrestle. every math class I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> so so res, res, wrestling with, with Scripture it really tells you something, and God sees whether you, I'm, I'm really interested, honestly interested in, in getting uh, an answer to that or if it's just uh, a fad. And, and so, um, so that, that is an opportunity to grow, and uh, it's an opportunity to to rub shoulders with a text that is even sometimes strange to me. Mm-hmm. Because if everything in the Bible would be crystal clear, if everything would be smooth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Bible would not give me an opportunity to grow. Yeah. And sometimes it's the very passages that uh, go against the grain yeah. uh, that, that make me wonder, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, help me to, to study some things even more deeply. But it's only I if I come with a humble spirit to mm-hmm. the word that this really, right, yes, yeah. that this takes place. So, and, and prayer, you know, if, if you pray, never underestimate the, the power of prayer. You know, as somebody, someone said, um, if you deal with a difficult question on your knees, you, you, you indeed look at the same problem with a new perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's true, you know, it it's, true. Uh, it's, it's true in the interhuman relationships that we have, and it's true with the relationship to God's Word as well. And if we pray, uh, I, I think God honors every honest prayer. Let's leave it at that. Uh, that is a good word to end on, as, as don't just pray about the difficulties in your regular life, pray about the difficulties in your Bible study as well, mm-hmm. and see how God... Yeah. Will, will bless you in, yeah, yeah. in your discovery of the Word. Yeah, yeah. The big key is don't give up. Don't give up, yeah. The Word of God. And sometimes the problem is not so much the biblical text. The problem is us, you know, yeah. and, and our understanding is darkened. 
and needs enlightening and opening up through the, through the Holy Spirit. Well, and I said I was going to end on the previous thing, but you just brought some the problems with us. I was just accessing, you know, I was just mentioning Seinfeld. If I spend five hours a week watching Seinfeld and I spend, or anything, I'm just picking on Seinfeld at the moment, but anything, but I spend 10 minutes a day studying the Bible, then that I don't understand is not going to be a surprise. Mm, that's right. That's right. Uh, I got to make priority what should be most important. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so sometimes that problem is, is, is in me in that I need to say, Jesus, give me a desire for your word and give me the discipline to, to give adequate time to your word. Mm. Um, and, and let's put away some of those other things. And if, mm. I, mm. if I spend as much time in the word of God... As I do, would make a difference, yeah. You know, Seinfeld or whatever <laughs> other show is your show. Uh, I guess Arrested Development. I don't know what shows. Uh, I don't know what the modern kids are listening to these days. But whatever it may be. Yeah, but it's so easy, you know, because that you that wake will become up, my language, right? You wake up with your smartphone in in, in yeah. hand, you know, and it just takes time to consume. <laughs> takes all your time, you know, to and, consume everything else, but not. And come if to the if Lord. you really want to study the Word, the Bible, you, you need to 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 make a decisive effort. Yeah, I think that. we're actually going to talk about that some in our next week's mm -hmm. lesson. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll we'll sign off here. Please study the Word, and uh, we will see you next week. God bless you.